from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! Welcome to the Power Cat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Kansas State is back in the bull business after a one-year hiatus as the Cats were rewarded for their seven-win regular season with the program's 23rd bull berth all-time, and the Cats will take on LSU in the Tax Act Texas Bowl on Tuesday night here in Houston at NRG Stadium. Welcome to the PowerCat pregame podcast. I am Go PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and today on our podcast, we will do what we've done all season long. We will provide you with the latest information about Kansas State and its opponent, LSU in this case, as we prepare you for another Kansas State football game. As I mentioned, the Cats are 7-5 and five heading into this game and relatively healthy, which is something different than most bowl teams have experienced this season. The Wildcats haven't been that hard hit by transfers. They've had no opt-outs and they are fairly COVID-free as they head into this game. The same cannot be said for the six and six LSU Tigers that are going through a coaching change and have had plenty of opt-outs for the NFL draft guys hitting the transfer portal and they also have some injuries and illness from COVID that have piled up as the season has gone on. Will the LSU Tigers be ready to take on the challenge and do they have enough players to step up into the breach as so many holes on both offensive and defense have occurred since the end of the regular season? These are topics we will explore with Ryan Wallace from the Go Power Cat staff, Brian Hanley, the former Kansas State offensive lineman from 1997 and 98 who played in two bowl games for the Wildcats as he serves now as our football analyst. And our own Ryan Gilbert will step in at the end of the podcast to talk about the betting spreads of this game, but he'll also offer some thoughts on other things going on with Kansas State, college football, and the national title game. It's all coming up on this edition of the Powercat pregame podcast and ryan wallace is standing by to get us up to date on the latest on this game but first this message all season long i have told you about robbins chrysler dodge jeep ram fiat in manhattan which also serves the junction city fort Riley, topeka wamigo and flint hills areas and here is why i believe in robbins it's about the people and a great selection of reasonably priced vehicles Robbins Motor Company is the proud sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And now we do bring in Ryan Wallace from back in Kansas. Wally, uh, I appreciate you joining us, but it is feeling like Kansas here today. It is like 40-some degrees with howling wind. I did not sign up for this. This is not the tropical bowl destination I thought I was going to get. And it had been like 80 with 90% humidity. And now it's freezing. Wally, I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's. I just got back from St. Louis for a little family outing uh, New Year's Eve with, again, some, some family. And uh, it was convenient to have the kids outside on New Year's Eve. But, um, yeah, didn't didn't enjoy, uh, you know, driving back home to, to these type <laughs> of temps. And I, I hate to hear that the bowl experience is ruined for you guys because, you know, the last thing you need on, on, on a trip like this is when it, with all the other – things going on with LSU's crazy depth chart and, mm. and everything else is is crappy weather so yeah it, Sorry, it's thanks. supposed to be warmed up tomorrow again it's, I think it's a one-day thing and the roof will be closed on Tuesday night at Energy Stadium um, I if I seem to remember right they left the roof open overnight the first Texas Bowl the Ron Prince fiasco bowl and it rained on the field in case they didn't have the right shoes I'm confident K-State has the right equipment for this game. They've got a pretty healthy roster, amazingly enough. The same cannot be said for LSU, this opponent in this game. I've been very reluctant to say the game is going to happen. I feel like it'll jinx it. 
I, I do have to say that at the Rodeo Bowl the other night, there was a vast difference between the number of players for the two teams. LSU's in the low 50s right now of players that they'll have in this game, for this game. Probably guys that they don't want to play in burn red shirts. And it starts at quarterback for them. They have a mess at quarterback. So give me the latest on what LSU's looking at for the bowl game. Do they have a Cody Cook in their back pocket? You know, that's uh, that's a pretty good, for all intents and purposes, that's a pretty good comparison to what uh, it sounds like our, our sources kind of – on the 24 seven network are, are saying that LSU is most likely to run out, you know, LSU released, um, it's, it's Texas bowl depth chart, um, significantly later than Kansas state and still probably has some smoke and mirrors on it fits because you look at quarterback and they do right now list Garrett Nussmeyer as the starting quarterback. And, uh, as you mentioned, he's the freshman that, uh, I think if LSU could play him, Without losing his redshirt year, they absolutely would, which is why he's a top depth chart. But um, again, everything sounds as though that waiver got denied, uh, and so it will not be Garrett Nussmeyer uh, under center. And you know, he's been the backup for Max Johnson pretty much the entire season. He's uh, you know former four-star recruit uh, out of Texas, big-time competitor. That's the guy they want in the backfield to under center. Instead. It's looking more and more um, like you're going to get Jontre Kirkland in the backfield at quarterback who, if you're looking for him on the depth chart, you're going to find him as a backup wide receiver. Uh, And you mentioned Cody Cook because Jontre Kirkland is similar in size, you know, roughly about six foot, 180 pounds. So he's maybe slightly uh, thinner, um, but maybe also slightly more dynamic uh, with the ball in his hands as a runner than Cody Cook was. But uh, John Trey Kirkland was a three-star recruit coming out of uh, uh, high school uh, in the class of 2017. So he's a senior, um, but he was an athlete. He played uh, high school quarterback at Lutcher in Louisiana. Uh, again, like I said, uh, 85 grade from our 247 scouts. So um, he was a kid that had the athleticism to be a number of different things. But as far as being a quarterback, if it is indeed John Trey Kirkland for the Texas Bowl on Tuesday night, it won't be completely unfamiliar. It's a position he's played before, but Fitz, you can't expect a kid that hasn't thrown a pass, uh, you know, read a defense to come out and, you know, knock the rust off with ease, I would I would think, um, in, in a postseason game like this. These bowls have been incredibly challenging for programs like LSU, and honestly, they're ones that recruit at a really high level. They get four or five-star kids, kids that not only aspire to the NFL most college players do but have the tools to make it in the nfl so you've got the opt-out guys that have added to the confusion of the transfer portal guys who are bailing out and during the coaching change and you've got the health and safety guys that might be covid related that are in quarantine we haven't heard any numbers from lsu uh, but this has really hit them hard and i i gotta say if the game's played which all indications are it's on and it's a go I admire LSU for for not backing out at this point because this has been incredibly difficult for the Tigers to prepare for this game. And just the fact that they're probably going to have to run a variant of their offense just to accommodate a guy who hasn't thrown the ball much and honestly is probably better running the option than any throwing the ball downfield. This could get wild for K-State trying to figure out exactly who's on the field and what they're good at as the game progresses. Yeah, and, you know, I think K-State's just going to have to take it, you know, kind of just look at this LSU team. You can't try and say you go back to the the season finale against Texas A&M because a lot of those guys aren't playing. You can't watch a ton of early film because, uh, you know, during middle of the season, LSU made some complete defensive scheme schematic changes um, that really altered the final half of their season. So you can't go back and watch anything pre-Alabama. Um, but then, like I said, you can't watch anything and, and put all, invest a lot in post-game, post-Alabama game analysis because, again, a lot of those players aren't playing. And Fitz, I, I went back and crunched the numbers before this game, and it's staggering, particularly, you know, on offense, but also defense at what this LSU team that's going to trot out against K-State will lack from their season totals. 89% 
of all passing yards that they've accumulated this season uh, with Max Johnson gone. 76% of all the rushing yards with Ty Davis-Price, who has opted to opt out, uh, will not be on the field. 29% of all the receiving yards, that's Trey Palmer. Uh, he entered the transfer portal and the injured wide receiver, Kayshawn Butte, um, who will not play in this one. So that percentage of, of of their uh, receiving yard output is gone and 50% of their rushing and receiving touchdowns wiped off the board. So again, 89% of all passing yards, 76% of all rushing yards, 29% of all receiving yards, 50% of all rushing and receiving touchdowns. And then on defense, it, it maybe percentage wise isn't as bad, but numbers wise, they've lost more Incredible. seven spots from the defense that was on the field in their last regular season game, a win against A&M now need to be filled for this bowl game. 51% of all total tackles, including three of their top five leading tacklers, will not are not expected to play in this game. 33% of their total sacks, 50% of their total interceptions. If you look on this depth chart right now, Fitz, the nickelback and starting cornerback for the LSU Tigers are two transfers from Nickel State, <laughs> two players that played K-State two years ago. Mm. Um, so... It, that's interesting in and of itself, but again, it, it it goes to show just how different of a team K State is going to see on Tuesday night versus what LSU has trotted out there. And yet, Fitz, I send it back to you by saying this: we talk about all the players that LSU is going to be without, and yet when you look at who's listed to start for this LSU team, you still have a number of highly, highly decorated recruits uh, on offense. You're looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, four stars that are still going to, uh, they're still expected to, to start for LSU's offense. And then on defense, one, two, three, four, five, six different players that were four stars and a true freshman in Mason Smith that was a five-star grade. Um, so again, it, it's it's one of these situations, Fitz, that you have, if, if you're K-State and really the K-State fan base, it's going to be one of two things, Fitz. You're either going to have a lot of true freshmen and younger guys that were highly decorated players that have just been behind some more experienced players, and this is going to be a coming out party, and you're going to go, whoa, this is this is LSU's two and three? Wow. You know, there's there's a reason why their, their ones must have been fantastic. Or you're going to get some kids that, you know, don't have the experience, aren't as seasoned, even though they were highly decorated out of high school, and there are going to be some growing pains on Tuesday night against a more, you know, cohesive unit in K-State. So, you know, that is what I think makes the storylines, among many others, so interesting for this game. It's amazing. I, you know, I'm not going to feel a lot of sympathy for what LSU is going through because uh, I'm sorry. This is the flip side of getting that level of recruit. There's mm -hmm. There's a downside to it. So don't turn around and brag about the number of guys you got in the NFL while complaining that they opted out early. Cause honestly, after watching what happened to the Ole Miss quarterback, I don't blame anyone for opting out. I don't think it's a, that serious of injury, at least from what I saw watching the game, but the risk is enormous. And I'll just say this, it, setting aside teams such as Alabama and Georgia that have just an elite level of player right now that, Nobody in the Big 12, and certainly not Kansas State, can match. Uh, I, I think for the most part, good teams can match up with their ones. They, they, they can. They, you can find a way to beat teams, and we've seen that with K-State beating Oklahoma in the two years prior to this season. But when you get into injuries, that's where the difference in the recruiting trail really shows up. When you get into getting down your depth chart – and K-State is rolling out guys that are walk-ons from Western Kansas, and LSU is rolling out four-star recruits that are waiting their turn because they have NFL guys in front of them. There will be lots of talent on the field for the Tigers. As you just mentioned, more heavily recruited, high-profile recruits in terms of talent than K-State has seen maybe ever with one team. That's mm -hmm. incredible to mm -hmm. me. That's incredible that they can have this kind of attrition and still have that number of highly recruited athletes. And this is going to be fascinating to me because K-State literally doesn't know what LSU is going to do on either side of the ball. They don't, they, they're certainly, they haven't, there's no level of certainty to anything right now. And they're prepared for a wide range of things, but it could get chaotic. And if you're LSU, you're the interim coach. 
go for it. Have fun. Just do stupid stuff that, you know, maybe it works or not. I mean, these guys, this is a great opportunity for these guys to prepare for next season. Um, and I don't know how you feel, but I think this could be a really entertaining game. I think K-State wins, but I think it could be highly, highly entertaining. Yeah, I look at this game uh, in, in a similar fashion to how I've looked at K-State against Texas. Um, not necessarily from an X and O standpoint, but, uh, you know, the last two years when K-State has faced Texas, there have been, you know, some some sort of state of turmoil or some sort of state of change that was coming for the Longhorns. Um, and you wondered what kind of Texas team is, is going to come out. And there's been all this talk about, you know, are they going to be motivated and, and this, that, and the other. And what we've come to find out is Texas is wildly, uh, you know, athletic, wildly talented from top to bottom, just like LSU. And, you know, every time it seems like we, we as Kansas State fans or even Big 12 fans thought that Texas may lay down, they wouldn't be motivated, they have nothing to play for. Those younger guys, this is their chance. They've been waiting. They are hungry. Um, and so that's what I'm curious to see from LSU is it's just one game. It's, it's postseason. You know, you don't have other things still left on the table to play for outside of this game. But, you know, if, if you're a guy, for instance, a Matthew Langlois, who was a Kansas State commit last year, LSU came in and offered. He's from maybe 30 minutes outside of Baton Rouge. His father, grandfather, you know, there's, there's LSU roots in his family tree. He flips from K-State to go to LSU. He's a kid that's played in a number of games this year. I want to say maybe six, um, but it's primarily been on special teams. He's now second on the depth chart at, at safety. You don't think Matthew Langlois is going to be excited to you know, possibly get on the field and play? I mean, you don't think he has something to play for? So if there's a lot of Matthew Langlois on this, on this roster that LSU is going to you know, put out there and have some fun with the game plan with, um, I, I'm with you. I do think that it could be more entertaining than maybe it, it would appear on paper, knowing of all the opt-outs and guys that aren't going to play for whatever, whatever reason, COVID, academics, what have you. I, I do think it'll be interesting. But at the same time, I think, you know, when uh, Ryan Gilbert texted about, you know, what kind of pick I had as far as the spread, and I think it was at four and a half for K-State fits, if I'm not wrong. Right. Um, I, I, I still am like you. I feel like that's something that K-State can cover simply uh, for out of the fact that they're just a more cohesive unit right now. They, you know, they, they know what they want to be. They know what they want to do. Uh, it's the same group that's got them there that's going to be dancing. And I, I tend to, to side with that over a Jontre Kirkland that hasn't thrown a pass in four years, um, you know, <laughs> leading this offense. But uh, I, I do think that, that you know, it, it, it will be interesting to watch because I think – it'll be what defense is going to kind of rise to the occasion. Well, let's turn our attention to Kansas State now. And Skylar Thompson met with the media on Sunday. He said, I'm healthier than I've been all season. Chris Kleiman said he's running better than he has all season. And keep in mind, even when he went up against Stanford, they were being cautious with that shoulder, um, that the pec injury that he had from last year. And then he injures the knee, and now he's had another injury. And uh, but he said his body and mind are refreshed. K-State's actually fairly healthy for this game. I'm a little intrigued to see who all will be out there. We found out on Sunday that Jerron McPherson might be able to play, that they didn't expect that, but he has now started to run around at practice, and he looks much better, and they think by Tuesday he might be good to go. Maybe that was smoke and mirrors. Um but overall, K-State's in a pretty healthy situation and it has done a great job of managing COVID, although it sounds like, of course, nobody can tell us anything on the record, it sounds like they have a few young guys that won't be available but probably wouldn't have played anyhow. Give us your thoughts mm -hmm. on how K-State is physically and coming into this game and what players they have available. Yeah, I mean, I think from an offensive standpoint, um, it, it's pretty much all systems go. I, I haven't heard... Um, about a lot of names that, that are in question as far as, you know, not making the trip or, you know, being ill or anything like that. I mean, the main players, as you said, Skyler Thompson, um, all systems go. Deuce Vaughn's looking good. Uh, the receivers are all there. I mean, K-State has not had to face 
uh, a lot of issues at all between their last regular season game and the bowl game um, because everybody wants to kind of finish out this season and then see where things go from there. But everybody wants to at least, you know, bookend what has been 2021. Um, I, I am very intrigued, though, to see the game plan. Um, and not just because Colin Klein is going to be calling the plays. I do think, you know, that's a storyline in and of itself. How much off, you know, the Courtney Messingham script will he go? Um, but also, I, I'm intrigued to see how that that play calling affects Deuce Vaughn. Because Deuce Vaughn is a guy that I think they know they've done it all season. They know he can be a weapon as a receiver. Um, but then, you know, do you go empty backfield then? Because as it stands now, Jordan Shippers is the backup running back. And so, you know, if there's no um, – you're not going to uh, surprise LSU um, with, you know, Deuce Vaughn out in the slot uh, and, and, you know, no running back in the backfield because the LSU is just going to bring a lot of heat, which they do anyway. But, yeah, if you at least put Jordan Shippers in the backfield – um, you know, maybe that creates an element that they have to keep him honest, or maybe they just go, no, he's not going to run it either. But again, I, I want to see how that affects Deuce Vaughn because they've, they like to get him in favorable matchups. I think with LSU secondary as banged up as it is, it's, it's an opportunity for Deuce to get some one-on-one -on -one attention um, or maybe get Malik Knowles some one-on-one -on -one attention or Phillip Brooks. So uh, how they utilize Deuce is going to be interesting Again, not only because of how LSU looks on their depth chart, but also how K-State's running back depth chart looks. Um, again, you just throw Deuce out there and say, yeah, you know what we're, what we're not going to do because of where Deuce is, or you know what we are going to do because of where Deuce is and what, what the depth chart is. So K-State's running back situation is going to be highly, highly interesting. You well, know, does, D, does, does DJ Giddens get on the field? Yeah. Um, you know, it, does Devin Weathers get on the field? Who knows? It's, it's all wide open. Those guys – won't burn their red shirts. I mean, they have the four games they can play, and that's the question here. And just to remind everyone, Joe Irvin hit the transfer portal before the team went to Texas, and and then Jacardi Wright hit it after that game when he hardly played. Deuce was almost like this situation. They just went with Deuce, and they put Jacardi Wright out there a little bit. We'll probably see shippers on the field occasionally just to give – uh, put a body out there to be real honest. Right, right. right. And uh, but Chris Kleiman said on Sunday something very fascinating. He was asked who is the third backup at running back in case something happens, and he said everyone. He said we will put whoever we need back there who can carry the ball in the right position. And I probably think that was an indication that Jack Stenean and Ben Sennett or one of those guys is actually the backup third string running back. Uh, so if you get to that, it's fascinating to me. But in some ways, I just have a feeling that Colin Klein's going to have a preference for using fullbacks and tight ends in his play calling. Um, that's the biggest intrigue. You mentioned it. What's Colin Klein going to put on the field? You can say it's the same playbook, the same schematics and all that. But that's like saying I have the same paint colors as Ryan Wallace, so our paintings will be exactly the same. You, you, you understand? I mean, he might just have a completely different nuance to how he wants to call plays and set things up. I'm just really intrigued and hopeful for Colin beyond the result of the game because he's such a terrific guy and a K-State football legend that he can succeed at this and maybe move on to you know be a coordinator sooner rather than later. But I'll, I'll say this, he has his weapons. He has Skylar Thompson. He has Deuce Vaughn. He has Malik Knowles and Phillip Brooks. He has the guys to make his life easier. He has his full offensive line. And I'm, I'm fascinated to see if Daniel Matterbebe and Sammy Wheeler become bigger parts of the, the play calling. Um, it, just, it just seems like a wide-open unknown, and it's, it's kind of thrilling for me, actually, Raleigh. Skylar Thompson is going to be the X factor in this game, right. um, You know, not only just because of – uh, what he can do as a passer, um, because LSU, when they when they switched their game scheme and their their plan after uh, they're heading into the Alabama game, everything completely changed for them. And again, a number of those pieces aren't going to play. But if they continue to run with that game plan, um, they've only allowed an average of 18.5 points per game since they changed. Um, and before that, seven of their eight games were went over that number. So the most points they've allowed is just 24 points to number 15, Texas A&M. 
Kansas State doesn't have near the weapons that you look at an Alabama or an Arkansas or Texas A&M has on offense, but they have a veteran quarterback. And so I think Skyler Thompson, if there's one thing, one area that you and I would agree on, Skyler's come maybe the furthest from freshman to now is that pocket presence. I think he understands when pressure is coming, how long he has, uh, and that's what LSU is going to do. They're going to blitz heavy. They've changed things to go to a 3-4. Um, whether Again, whether that changes or not because of their numbers, who knows, but I think they're going to try and, and pressure Kansas State. Um, I think they're going to be confident knowing that they have more talent on the field that they can play cover zero and just go man to man and send guys at Skyler all day. If Skyler Thompson can handle that with composure, as we've seen him do much of this season, and he can keep them honest on the ground with his, with his feet. I think that's an area that Colin Klein knows very well as a former dual threat guy himself. I think he would love to get Colin, uh, to get Skyler, excuse me, out on the run a little bit. Um, again, knowing the running back situation, I think maybe we see Phillip Brooks, Malik Knowles, maybe even a kid like Keenan Garber on more sweeps and jets and things like that that can also kind of help the ground game. But uh, again, if Skylar Thompson can can help this team with his feet and have some composure in the pocket with some you know quick things to get him confidence and get the receivers confidence uh, and, and not you know feel a lot of pressure from LSU, uh, you know he he to me is the key. And then once that gets going, then I think it just opens up a guy like Deuce Vaughn even more. Well, that's what I'm hopeful. If Skyler's healthy, it means he'll be on the run a little bit. And against man coverage, backs are turned, and he can be really effective there. That is, you said Skyler's an X factor. I think his legs are the X factor because he yeah, hasn't shown yeah. that all year. Uh, he hasn't been able to show that all year. Um, so really to fully understand how good Skyler can be, you got to go back to the start, maybe the Oklahoma game from last season the the 2020 season and understand how effective he can be running uh, until his injury last year took him out um, it's it's going to be fun it's going to be interesting and I'll just say this as we wrap this up um, the Texas Bowl is um, aspiring to the big time and they are running so far a really really nice bowl game I'm very happy K-State ended up here in terms of um, how they're treating the teams and the experiences they're having, the players are having a blast, and Coach Kleiman's glowing about the experience. And it's not that faux um, saying the right thing not to be uh, an, an ungrateful guest. Uh, K-State's having a blast, and um, I hope this ends well for K-State, and I hope they get that eighth win because it sets them up nicely for next season. I'll just finish by saying this, Fitz. So, you know, I really quick wanted to touch just on – uh, K-State's defense and, and at the LSU offense, I, line of scrimmage, as it always yeah. is, will be incredibly important just because if there's one area that I think LSU has a lot of their guys coming into this game that are also the horses that brought them there, it's it's up front. It's a pretty good group. So I think the line of scrimmage will be important for K-State uh, from a defensive standpoint. And, you know, by and large, fits that there's a lot of things that remind me uh, about the last time K-State was at the Texas Bowl with this game. Um, an A&M team that I think was, you know, highly decorated. Obviously, they had more guys playing than LSU did from a starter standpoint. Um, but again, one of those games that on paper, everything looked like it should be Texas A&M. And you had a K-State team that came out fired up to play the SEC, fired up to finish that season on a high note. That's exactly what they did. Um, if if K State can kind of replicate that, you know, get a Byron Pringle performance from somebody, um, I think, I think this will this season will end on a high note. He is Ryan Wallace. He's a big part of our coverage over at GoPowerCat.com. He oversees recruiting for us, and there's another recruiting cycle coming up now that we're in the new year. As soon as this bowl game is over and the games are done for this season, only one game after. K-State, of course, in this bowl game, and that's the national championship game as K-State is the lucky, I think it's lucky, to be the final bowl of the season. Wally, thank you very, very much. Thanks, Fitz. And right after this break, we will continue with our preview of the Texas Bowl between Kansas State and Louisiana State here in Houston, Texas. I am Tim Fitzgerald. Brian Hanley, the former offensive lineman for the Wildcats, joins us right after this break. And remember, we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Pregame Podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I am Go Power Cat publisher Tim Fitzgerald here in Houston as we get you ready for Tuesday night's Tax Act Texas Bowl at Energy Stadium, where the Houston Texans play in the NFL. But on Tuesday night, it will be the venue for the final bowl game of this college season. That is right. As long as you don't count the Alabama-Georgia national title game coming up a little bit later, this is it. This will be the final Big 12 football game of the season. The Cats take on LSU, and our Go Power Cat football analyst Brian Hanley is standing by to join us. And, of course, Brian played on those 97 and 98 great Kansas State football teams that racked up so many wins for the Wildcats. He will have some interesting thoughts on Kansas State and the state of college football with so many opt-outs around the country. But before we bring in Brian, I have a simple approach when deciding who to offer content sponsorship to at gopowercat.com. Do I want to do business with them and am I comfortable with referring my listeners to their business? And that's exactly why a few years ago we changed our sponsorship of this podcast to Robbins Motor Company, right there on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan. Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, proud sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. And now we bring in our football analyst at gopowercat.com, Brian Hanley. Brian, I broke down the game in pretty good depth with Ryan Wallace in the first segment of the show. And in this segment, I kind of want to focus in on K-State and where this program is as we come to the end of the 2021 season with this game at the start of 2022. K-State's 7-5 and five going into Tuesday night's game with LSU. The Tigers are 6-6, six and six, by the way. The Cats uh, really need this win, don't they? I mean, there's just – this seems like a, a giant canyon of difference between 8-5 and five and 7-6. and six. And this program needs this energy going into the offseason. At least that's my assessment. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, we, I think it's a, a game that they they have to have. I know we've said that basically the last four or five weeks. But to get a good, you know, just to get the stench off of what happened at the end of the season, this is a game that we need to go and win. Uh, to get the program going, and it's not going in the wrong direction. It isn't. But it can be going in a better direction. We just have to have – I mean, that's what bowl games are. Bowl games are to kick off. Obviously, they're the end of your season. But it's to kick you into gear for next year as well. Because the first part of the practices is basically what that's based off. It's tons of fundamental work – or fundamental work, I'm sorry, and getting your legs back together. So I just think it's it's really important for the program to go and win. It's a high-profile game, whether LSU plays all their guys or not. I don't know. Don't care. Uh, but it's it's going to be a high-profile game because it's LSU, and it's on TV where everybody's going to be watching. There's no other game on. So if you want to watch football, that's the game that you got to watch, which is, I believe is just all that stuff's important for the program. I, I really do. I know that sounds – I don't know, cliche-ish or, you know, it it might be making a mountain out of a molehill, but I really do believe that it's important because it's, it it, it can catapult us. If nothing else in the eyes of possible recruits, seeing LSU, seeing us beat an LSU, whether they're good or bad, I don't know. I know they're going to have a ton of athletes. I don't care who's playing. So I just think it's a game that we need to go win to, to get the program to, to just kind of put the program a little bit more on a pedestal. I should say exactly before we delve a little bit more into Kansas State I I just kind of want your general opinion as a former player on what we see in college football right now we got guys opting out of games uh, to go to the NFL and they want to protect themselves I've got no problem with that Um, and I also you know we got the transfer portal going on and COVID 
And a, a yep. program like LSU with a coaching change has been decimated, absolutely decimated. Right. They're down to about 50, low 50s in player numbers for this game and lost a ton of starters. In the first segment, Ryan Wallace and I were talking about this. They lost like, I don't know, 15 starters or something, just some, an obnoxious number since the end of the season. But they have like 15 four-star or five-star players that will start this game. That's yeah. incredible. But your yeah. your opinion on all these opt-outs and and what it's doing to college bowl games, and is there anything to worry about here? Well, you know, I've talked, you know, a little bit on – on you know different platforms and stuff like that on the bowl games are the playoff obviously has a big part on whether bowl games are are significant anymore i believe that the bowl games still are kind of for reasons that i mentioned earlier about k-state it's an opportunity for kids number one to get better kids to play that maybe haven't played to catapult you into the next season for recruiting all of those things for your program it's money for your program. I mean, that goes without saying it just is now. Do I have a problem with guys opting out? Absolutely not. Times have changed right. and you know, people have to change with it. Look, things aren't the same, no matter what you're talking about, things just aren't the same as they were 20 years ago, 15 years ago, things are different now, you know? And so we have to change with it and that's okay. That is okay. But the one thing that I will say is that when fans say, well, you know, the whole, well, they're opting out and they're playing in this garbage bowl game. And I'll say this until I'm not on this earth anymore. That's because you've never played in a bowl game because I went to two of them and both of them were some of the most, was basically two of the best experiences of my entire life. There's not too many more things that I did and had a good time doing than going to a bowl game. And one of them, we didn't even want to be there. The Alamo Bowl right. in 98. We didn't even want to be there. And yet when we got there, it was awesome. We had a great time just being around the guys. That's what people don't understand when they say, well, it's a garbage bowl game. Nobody cares. Yes, they do. Kids care. And the bowl game is literally for fans and for kids. Yes, the schools make money. I'm not saying that, but it's for fans and it's for the players, man. It's for the players. At some point, some stuff's got to be for the players. You get treated like royalty all week long. It's a great thing for players. So I don't believe that the bowl games are meaningless. I, I don't. Guys opting out to go pro, they're going to do that. I mean, I, I don't. I know people get frustrated with it, but nobody ever gets frustrated when the – how many coaches left this year? Yep. And nobody said a word. Heck, Brian Kelly left before. And Notre Dame could have made the playoffs, and he left. And nobody said anything. So if you don't care about that, you can't care about the players opting out to secure their future, to try to secure their future either. You can't do that. It's not called quitting on the team. That's not what they did. They didn't quit on the team. Now, if a guy does it week eight, then yes, he quit on the team. But before the bowl game, you know what? I, I don't. I don't. I just don't buy that. I don't buy into to that. And and I think it's okay if guys do it. Now, as far as bowl, you know, bowls in itself, do we have too many? I don't know. I, I think if you give an opportunity for a team to go and play, I know a lot of people think six and six. You're not. You know, don't even have a winning record, and you go. But if it's an opportunity for a kid to play another game and maybe it's the last game of football he's ever going to play, why should you be mad about that? How does that affect you? How how does that change your life? But it will absolutely change theirs. I know that because I was one of those guys. I didn't get to play in professional, but I did get to play an extra bowl game and admit everything to me to just to go be with my guys one last time and go play. Now, we weren't six and six, so I'm not trying to say that. But at the same time, you got to look at it in that perspective. People don't look at it in that perspective. They just think my team's not going to win at all, so it doesn't mean anything. Well, okay, but did it, would it, how much was it going to mean to you if you did win at all? It's going to mean more to the players anyway, so keep that in mind. That's all I'll say. Keep that in mind. Well said. I, I'm fascinated by this, and I always remind people that every program's at a different part of their journey. Yeah, you, Sure. Look at UTEP. I mean, this is a program that has been on the rocks, and Dana Demmel got him into a bowl game this year, 
it was, you know, not a great bowl game. They ended up losing, but it was really important to that program, just as the mm-hmm. Copper Bowl was for Kansas State back in 1993. Everyone yep. is experiencing different steps along their journey. So I don't, I'm not against bowl games. I'm not, I, I, I no. want all the bowl games possible because I like watching them. What I don't like is ESPN just setting up bowl games. This is yeah. because that's not really a bowl game. Bowl games were always meant as community events, as fundraisers. That was really right. the spirit of bowl games. Whether it was a grand game like the Rose Bowl or a smaller game like the Independence or Liberty Bowl that has kind of both have lost their shine through time. Or the Sun Bowl, another bowl that used to be much more prominent than it is now, but is still around. Those are community events, and they're big events in their towns, and that's that's cool. I, what I don't like is ESPN now is setting up TV opportunities for it to profit while paying the teams a nominal amount of money. And, Brian, I think it's time to consider a bowl stipend for the players. If you're going to hold a yeah. bowl, you need to have a minimum stipend for 105 players, which is the you know the, the actual roster you can carry. And then I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But most of all, to kind of calm this down, I think they've got – this has absolutely got to push the playoff to 12 or even 16 teams – because I, I can see why the SEC wouldn't want that. It opens up opportunity to more programs, maybe not to win the national title. I think we all recognize the SEC's top tier is better than anyone else's. We get that. What it does for, if you look back during Bill Snyder 2.0, outside of the Big 12 title in 2012, people would kind of look at those seasons as, okay, you know, they weren't nearly of the glory days that during which you played in. But if you look at a 12 or 16 team playoff, I think K-State would have been in three times. Yeah. How does that change the perception of Kansas State football after getting into a playoff a number of times and then maybe recruiting picks up and it kind of closes the gap slowly on the SEC and and maybe fewer guys opt out. But my bottom line on, on the opt-outs is good for the players – at that point of your luck career, if you're not opting out of a playoff or kind of even a major bowl, a New Year's Six Bowl, I understand why you would. But, you know, those are really tangible games. But if you're a fan or an affiliate or ESPN, please quit using the excuse that they've had opt outs for the NFL draft. And then in, yeah. in a couple months when the NFL draft rolls around, you'll talk about how great the programs are because of these players. You can yep. have it both ways. If you're going nope. to recruit that level of player, this comes with it. If you can't recruit that level of player on a consistent basis, like Kansas State, you bring a full roster to the bowl game. Advantage you. Don't complain about all of a sudden the lesser program in, in the eyes of recruiting has a more intact roster for the bowl game as a function of that. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, it's crazy. I, 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 yeah. I, I just I understand why people say that, and I get it, but nobody cares. Look, if you if you don't care, then don't go to the game. Don't take a team to the football game, which I one million percent they or know that no school is going to turn down going to a bowl game because they're not going to turn down the money that they get from going to a bowl game. So they're not going to do that. So then stop using just what you said. Stop using that excuse when you get beat. Oh, well, we didn't have a full roster. Well, that's not my fault. I I mean, if your guys didn't want to play, which, again, I don't begrudge them for not, but that's not our fault. That's not anybody else's fault. It's just they chose to opt out. My thing with it, though, Fitz, is when teams say that or when kids say that, look, well, they're, they're losing out on millions of dollars. I go, first of all, no, everyone isn't. I go, because there's, there's 32 first-round draft picks, and all the kids that opt out are not all going to be first-round or second-round or even third-round draft picks. I go, so for me, I would think unless you know that you're a top-ten pick, which it's hard to know, but there's some of the guys you, you know are going to be that. Unless you're that, shouldn't you want to play in the game to try to boost your stock? I mean, and then it's kind of risk versus reward at that point, you know? And I don't know. To me, it just seems like it's a trend right now. 
it, it's trendy and maybe something will happen that that will change that and it all basically started when Jalen Smith at Notre Dame got hurt which he was going to be a top five pick and he destroyed his knee and it's still not right um, and you know and he lost all that money and I get it and so I understand that but at the same time you also have to look at the other how many guys play in a bowl game and play well in a bowl game and their draft stock went through the roof? How many times has that happened? So you got to look at it from both sides when it comes to that, in my opinion. In my opinion. I would agree. And I think it would be also um, nice if if significant bowls would pay insurance for guys to, to go ahead and sure. play. We're going to insure you. Uh, we've, you know, the, the insurance people can figure out what your – Income might be through a lifetime if you go to the NFL. It's it's hard to say. It really is. Uh, right. Let's let's pivot back to K State right now. And Skylar Thompson looks healthy. He looks good for this game. How important is it for him to not be rusty and step on the field Tuesday night and be the best version of Skylar? Because we haven't seen it this season. Uh, Chris Kleiman said he's ready to run. Literally, he's ready to run, which we haven't seen from him. And that adds an element to this offense that K-State really hasn't had this year. Well, I mean, I think it's important for him. You know, let's skip all the K-State. and it good for. I think it's, it would be outstanding for him to go out playing his best if, if, and doing all the things that he can bring to the table. You know, he played well in spurts this year, but he wasn't able to run. I want to see him 100% healthy or as healthy as he can be out there doing all the things that he literally can bring to the table. Because I I just think after what the kid has been through injury-wise and everything else, I just think that the football gods owe it to him. You know what I mean? That they owe him this opportunity. And I think it's key because I think he's going to need to be that because we can talk about all the guys that LSU doesn't have, but we need to talk about the guys that LSU does have because you mentioned it. They still have a ton of four- and five-star guys that are outstanding football players, outstanding athletes that are going to be on that football field. So we got to be ready. So we got to have all our guys hit on high cylinders, and Skyler is a key in doing that. The big twist for Kansas State isn't, upheaval in player personnel particularly on the offensive side it's a change at offensive coordinator with Courtney Messingham being out they're still haven't hired you know a new coordinator for next season Colin Klein is going to do it for this bowl game and maybe into the future we'll see what do you expect what does Colin need to accomplish maybe in this game as offensive coordinator on an interim basis well you know I just think he needs to be he doesn't need to be predictable. That would be number one. But that's the key to any offensive coordinator. You can't be predictable. You also need to be aggressive. You know, that's what teams need. You've got to be aggressive. When, when the opportunity presents itself, obviously you're not going to do, you know, be super aggressive when you're on two-yard line or something. But you need to be aggressive and not be afraid to go win a game versus being afraid to lose a game. Trust your guys. Trust your preparation. Trust the things that you work on all week. Because if you're not going to do that, by all means, I mean, kids are smart. They understand. Look, we've done this all week long, and then we get in the game and we don't do it. We do the same thing over and over and over. Kids understand that, and they get frustrated by that. Go be aggressive. Work on the stuff that you – and call a player to that, you know, what maybe you did it in two days, and then it's a ball game. Give yourself an opportunity to go win a football game and, and play good. I, I just think that's what Colin needs to do. And I don't know if it's going to try to impress or whatever the case may be, but and maybe he's not ready to be the offensive coordinator. I don't know. But I just know that in order to get the job and do the job right, you got to be aggressive and you can't be predictable and you got to trust what you've done all week and, and, and the preparation that you put in. And that because that that's what kids understand. That's what they understand. We've done this all week. Okay, we got a game plan, and then don't come out in the third quarter and run the ball every single time. You know what I mean? Just got to go out and do some stuff that you haven't done all year, and don't be so predictable. 
Defensively, K-State got a lot better throughout the season. They kind of settled into the 3-3-5. They, they stripped it down and got pretty simple with it, actually. Maybe they can add a little bit more stuff in there, but I kind of hope they do stay basic because when they got too complicated, they got confused and they got flat-footed. They did not play fast against the early Big 12 opponents, which were really good teams. Did K-State's defense impress you, or did they just kind of hold sway with you in terms of how they played throughout the course of this season? I thought they played better than what I anticipated, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know if I would say impressed, but I think they played well in spurts. Now, uh, kind of what you mentioned, a lot of that was dictated on the competition that we faced and how well they played, but that you can say that about anybody. But at the same time, I, I think when you dumb it down and you just said, okay, this is what we're going to do, we're going to play fast, I think we were able to do those things well. Now, the problem is is that when you get against teams like, like Texas – I mean, that was a debacle because Texas just said, we're going to run it, we're going to line up and run it, and we're bigger than you are. And they kind of did that to us, and it wasn't fun. And I just, you know, there's certain adjustments and things that you can make, but then there's also if teams are just bigger and better, it is what it is. And I think that we got caught in a little bit of that. But I think the defense as a whole played better than what I expected, and I was proud of them because, again, they weren't the biggest. And when teams decided that they just wanted to put their head down and run it and they were bigger than us, they were able to. But there were also times that we fought. Like, we fought Baylor. I mean, Baylor moved the football, but Baylor didn't score a million points on us. And it wasn't because their quarterback went out, because the quarterback that came in was daggone good himself. (laughs) So it wasn't that. It's just I I just think that the guys, they rallied. They played good. They played hard. You know, it's one thing to – to not always be good and for teams to be bigger than you. But when you play hard, that can alleviate a lot of mistakes. And I think that's what they did. They just play hard. And you got to commend the guys for that. I agree with all of that. Do you think K-State will beat uh, this LSU team, a depleted group of Tigers, in Tuesday night's game? I do. And and, and it's the cliche I know is going to be, and I know I say that a lot, is – we have our whole team and they don't. They have a really talented team, but I don't know that they're really going to want to be there. But like I mentioned before, that's not my problem. That's not K-State's problem. That's not our problem. All What we're trying to do is go win a football game, the last game of the year, the last game that some seniors are ever going to play in their life. That means something. It just does. And it means more at a Kansas State than it means at other programs. I'm not trying to say that we're special, but I am trying to say that we're different because we are. And it it meant something to me and meant something to a lot of my teammates. The last game that you ever play, you want to win. I wasn't able to do that, but I think this group will. I think it's going to mean a lot more to the team. They're going to come out fast. They're going to come out hungry. They're going to come out hard. And I think it's a game that if LSU, I'll be honest, if LSU doesn't come strapped up, it could get away from them early. You know, it it could be. Now, I know they've got a lot of guys, and they're really good. They're talented. I don't know how good, but they're talented. But we'll see. And because I believe that they're probably putting in new stuff. It's I got to believe that they're running – some new stuff that Brian Kelly has put in and all that kind of stuff. I I guarantee that that's going to be happening. So, you know, we may not be ready for all of that, but I just think it's a game that K-State's going to be really prepared for and really amped up to go win. And I think we get it done. It will be fun to discover exactly what's up with the Tigers on Tuesday night at Energy Stadium. Brian Hanley, thank you very much. And that is the second segment of your preview podcast of the Texas Bowl coming up this week. I'm Tim Fitzgerald, and on the other side, we'll bring in Ryan Gilbert and wrap this thing up, and we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Two segments down, one to go. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast as we prepare you for Tuesday night's Tax Act Texas Bowl between the Cats and the Tigers of LSU right down the road from where we're staying at NRG Stadium here in Houston. Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat in Manhattan is more than a sponsor for this podcast. Go PowerCat bought its official vehicle, a Dodge Durango from Robbins, where we got a great deal and enjoy the Robbins approach as great customer service is the foundation of what they do. I chose Robbins and I hope you will too. Robbins Motor Company, sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And now we bring in Ryan Gilbert from our staff and usually we delve deep into the Big 12 schedule um, and go through the games along with the betting odds and the spread. But Gills, we're down. This is it. Kansas State's playing the last Big 12 game of the season, oddly enough. And in fact, the last college football game of the season in terms of FBS football, other than the national title game between uh, two teams that are from a different conference. How's that for coverage? Um, let's start with <laughs> K-State. I mean, that's why we're here. But I've got a lot of topics I want to bring up with you real quick. How do you feel about the Wildcats heading into this? And are you surprised? I've seen four-and-a-half-point favorite, three-and-a-half-point favorite. Even though LSU's depleted, does that feel like the right spread to you? I would say so. And and just given the situation for LSU, I think it's a pretty fair line. Uh, a lot of people are going to be betting on you know LSU and the name on the front of that jersey. But you look at the opt-outs, the injuries, the COVID stuff going on with LSU. I know K-State is is relatively healthy as far as COVID goes. I know they've got a few um, sicknesses going on there, but overall they're healthy, they're bought in, they want to win. And so that's definitely a, a big plus for Kansas State. The only thing that would really concern me is LSU's talent. I, I know that they've got a lot of people that aren't playing, but you, you still look at the depth chart, the, the second string, the third strings, you've got to assume that those players are just as talented, if not more talented than, you know, K-State starters. But Skylar Thompson, he wants to win. You know, he wants to play. He wouldn't miss this for the world. He came back for an extra year, and, and this is kind of his grand finale. So I love I love that aspect of this game. And and the only other thing that really, I wouldn't say bugs me, but I'm a little concerned about is is the coaching that, that people seem to be overlooking with LSU. Everybody's talking about Ed Orgeron. They don't have necessarily a head coach. I know uh, Brad Davis is, is the interim head coach for the Tigers, but – you know, everybody's just focusing on the fact that it is just a one-game interim coach, and then he'll be gone after this, and and Kelly will be in there. So people are overlooking this. You know, you you got to look at um, Orgeron, right? I think it's kind of a consensus. Everybody understands that he wasn't really that good of a coach as far as the play calling, the schematics, that sort of thing, right? So now that he's gone, that might actually be a little bit of addition by subtraction. You, you know, this guy's only got one game as coach of the Tigers, He's going to be pulling out all the stops. He's got nothing to lose. Don't be surprised, you know, with some chick plays, all that stuff. So, you know, there's a few reasons to be cautious with this game. But overall, you look at the number K-State, 6-5-1 and five and one against the spread on the season, LSU, 5-6-1. and six and one. So K-State's got the nod there. The Big 12, 4-2 and two against the spread here in bowl season, and 2-0 and oh against the SEC, Baylor and Texas Tech, of course, picking up those wins over Ole Miss and Mississippi State, respectively, and then the, the SEC is three and five and one against the spread. So all the numbers back it up. And then I think any sort of predictive measure or percentage, you know, win probability, I'm going to throw all that out the window just because this is an entirely different team. Like we mentioned here just a second ago, all of the inactives for LSU, this is not the same team that they had at the beginning of the year. I think they played, was it LSU played USC or UCLA, one of the California teams? That That's a completely different team with the goals motivation for this game you know the, the national championship was was still on the on the minds of those players in game one now that's just you know why are we even here we've seen that with all these uh, sec schools so i think a, a lot of signs point towards k-state there's a few reasons to be a little cautious like i said but but k-state seems like the safe bet here to win by more than a field goal yep, i would agree with you on that in fact i think k-state will win this game fairly comfortably i i won't be surprised if it kind of reflects what we saw 
to open the season in an NFL stadium over in Arlington against Stanford, although LSU is a lot more talented than Stanford. I think K-State's come a long ways since that first game of the season. And I, I had Ryan Wallace on earlier in the show, and during recording that and recording you, K-State picked up a rather significant commitment through the transfer portal Sophomore, well, he's a freshman now, but he'll be a sophomore. Linebacker Brandon Jennings coming in from Maryland where he played significant time for the Terrapins. That were that was a pretty good football team. This is a guy that offers from schools such as Michigan and Florida State, I believe. This is a really, really skilled linebacker. What a nice addition with the loss of Cody Fletcher to set down in the linebacking core right next to Daniel Green next season for the Wildcats as a three-year player. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of the new uh, new way that the college football world is going to work, and Chris Kleiman has openly embraced it. So, yeah, this is what you've got to do. And, you know, I think coming into the season, apart from the wide receiver room, the line, linebacker room was probably the biggest question mark. And in K-State, you know, that group held its own ground, but it was definitely going to be a cause for concern next season. So, this is big. It's a big pickup, and and certainly, you know, kind of the new the new norm for Chris Kleiman. You know, these transfer portal guys. I wouldn't anticipate this guy to be to, to be the last for K State. That's for sure. Yep, no doubt about it. Final topic I want to have you address is the playoff situation in the big picture. How desperately or do we need expansion of the playoff? Or will it just end the way it's always ending now with two SEC teams almost always vying for the national title, and they will do that this season next week when Alabama and Georgia collide for a national title. It's a replay of the SEC title game. I have no interest other than casual interest in watching this. I'm dispassionate about it. I think it's hurting college football to see the SEC dominate at the highest levels. But just give me your thoughts, not only on this game and who will win, but what's happening to college football with this kind of disparity right now between the upper level of the SEC and everyone else. Well, as unfortunate as it as it is to see, you know, two SEC teams in the championship game, at least Cincinnati got a shot. You know, Michigan, right. I know, didn't play a good game, but that's a step in the right direction. I know Kirk Herbstreit doesn't like me saying that, but it's a step in the right in the right direction. But you want to see more teams get in. You look at Baylor. I mean, that that defense that we saw that they could have they could have hung around with anybody in the country. I'm convinced. And and Oklahoma State got off to a slow start in, in their bowl game, but they came out with a victory against Notre Dame. So you know you want to see more teams get chances. And I know that it's not really a good sample to look at with Cincinnati and because they really didn't play good games. But at least they got a chance. You know, you know me, Fitz. I've I've, I've talked about bowl games a lot. Now I'm really not a fan of them. Because there's, you know, Fitz, we saw the Mayo and it's getting, what are we doing out here with these bowl games? They don't mean anything. I kind of understand it's more for entertainment nowadays than anything, but I would love to see that expansion sooner rather than later. I think the only argument to be made against it is traditionally college football has been, it's been such a, um, you know, an urge. Every game has some urgency to it because it, it seems like if you lose one game, there goes your college football, you know, title hopes. If you expand to 12, whatever, 14 teams, you can still lose three games. So it's going to change the the dynamic of college football. But I guess that's going to be the new norm if that ever happens. But on to this game, I don't know if I have much of a feel. I kind of like Bama simply because they are the underdog, and they did win that SEC championship game to get into this playoff. So I would leave Bama. It's probably a coin flip, and given those points, I would take the Crimson Tide. But, again, I don't know too much about the SEC. I, I hate hate watching the SEC. Don't watch it as, as I don't watch it unless I really need to, but I would lean Bama, but, but like, like I mentioned earlier, it'd be great to see some other teams in this championship game. Now, who knows if we had, you know, 12 teams or something and, you know, there was three or four weekends of playoffs and these two teams, you know, very well could have ended up here, but we don't know that because we never got to see any more games other than those two semifinal matchups. So, You'll never know, but here we are. Yep, I totally agree. One final thought from you on Cincinnati. Did they belong in the playoff, and did they do themselves a favor in terms of how they're perceived nationally? And did they lend more credibility to the non-Power 5 programs out there like they currently are, or to the future of the Big 12, which they will be a member of? Well, you look at Cincinnati, let's be honest. I think they performed better than – 
any game Oklahoma's had. I think they had that one game where they went to overtime a few years back. But every other time Oklahoma's in the playoff, it seems like they get blown up by like 50 points or something. So Cincinnati, in the grand scheme of things, I, I don't know if there's any school that would have beaten Alabama. Who knows? I don't think this really you know, diminishes their reputation, the Big 12's reputation, any of that stuff. I don't think it's going to matter too much moving forward. Uh, you know, Obviously, ESPN, they're going to get what they want. And if they want Cincinnati on TV, they'll have them. If not, then no. But I would rather have Cincinnati in there to Notre Dame. You know, they won head-to-head. Notre Dame lost their bowl game to Oklahoma State, like we mentioned. So, you know, I've got no issue with Cincinnati getting in there. I think that was the right play. Um, you know, they definitely deserved it, given their record. I have no issue with it, despite the big loss. Thank you, Ryan Gilbert. Much appreciated. And we will see you next week for another edition of the Powercat Questions podcast. Thank you. We've heard from Ryan Wallace and Ryan Gilbert of the Go Powercat staff, and in between them came the old football player himself, former Kansas State offensive lineman Brian Hanley. As we prepare you for the Tax Act Texas Bowl on Tuesday night at NRG Stadium between the Kansas State Wildcats at 7-5 and five and the LSU Tigers at 6-6. Six and six. Stay tuned to Go Powercat for ongoing coverage of the game and the Wildcats, including Kansas State basketball, which is now started Big 12 play. I am Go Power Cat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and thank you so much for listening all season long to our pregame podcast sponsored by the great people at Robbins Motor Company. And make sure later this week you come to Go Power Cat to listen to our postgame podcast as Brian Hanley and I will reconvene to discuss what took place on Tuesday night at NRG Stadium. Until then, I'm Fitz, and we will talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.